0: BB Fahodier, welcome to the African Liberation Media Podcast. Media solely focused on the liberation and empowerment of African people. I'm your host Gullah Jack, aka Russell Swilly. Let's get to it. BB Fohodie, today's date is January 18th. 62-61. I'm here with Brothers macaroo and Almost. This is Gullah Jack. This is the African Liberation Media. You know, years ago, in the wake of the urban rebellions, President Johnson impaneled what was known as a Blue Ribbon Commission to study the conditions confronting Blacks in the inner city and for that matter, whites in places like Appalachian. And what they determined was that America was headed toward two societies, separate and unequal. This was an attempt to bring forth into fruition a equitable society. Nowhere in the findings of this Colonel Commission Was there a recommendation to sing a song? (laughs) We have Jim Clapper, you know, uh, resident plantation Negro, noted for an iconic statement Joe knows us and we know Joe. He has recommended as a part of racial healing the adoption of James Weldon Johnson's Black National Anthem, Lift Every Voice and Sing. Nothing tangible. You know, nine out of ten Africans would be interested in reparations, money, uh, cancellation of student debt, Medicare for all during this pandemic. Ending mass incarceration. Ending qualified immunity for police as we're being killed once again, as Dr. King put it on this day, we're being killed as if it's a national pastime. You know, he's a gentleman that is, uh, is no longer useful in terms of coming up with programs and suggestions that benefit the masses of black people. Of course, he'll get his friends a few jobs. Jamie Harrison has been named the uh, chair of the Democratic National Committee. Big Farmer controls his every move. You know, thus, he's not interested in pursuing, in the midst of a pandemic, Medicare for All, even though black Americans, African Americans in this country are being wiped out in disproportionate numbers. You know, suffice it to say, his loyalty is to himself as well as to his friends, his buddy, but nothing from a programmatic standpoint that benefits The masses. We're talking about Jim Claiborne, a.k.a. Kingfish Calhoun. (laughs) Just a number of names you can use, you know, to describe this ongoing Samboism. This is the African Liberation Media. Now, take the hit here at the African Liberation Media. Brothers, take it wherever you want to take it.
1: Oh my goodness, King King. Now a lot a lot of our audience, uh, Gullah Jack, will won't have any idea as to who you're talking about. They, <laughs> they they may they may think you're referring to John C. Calhoun.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Who had been uh, John Quincy Adams' vice president, staunch okay. white supremacist and pro pro slavery. Uh, architect of uh, interposition and nullification come on um, but uh, you were you were actually referring to the characters from um,
0: Amos the, and Andy
1: Amos and Andy show
0: we can were. go back further we can talk about Haywood Shepherd oh the Negro who <laughs> warned Massa during John Brown's historic campaign that something was about to occur. You know, perhaps we may be entering his name into the lexicon of individuals such as Haywood Shepard. In other words, Ben Yeah, you know, Haywood Shepard, Amos and Andy,
1: yeah. J.J. Hey, you were referring to uh, George Kingfish Stevens and Algonquin, J. Calhoun, a shyster lawyer, two shysters really, one a con artist and the other a shyster lawyer, a program that many uh, people of African descent in the 1950s considered to be so negative because it was started by two white men who dressed up in blackface and tried to speak in uh, quote-unquote Negro vernacular, and the show came to uh, CBS, I believe it was, 1950s, and uh it it it, uh, it was it was a comedy before you could uh, say things that 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 are said today by uh, you know a lot of these entertainers um, say things that are much worse than than the uh, jokes that were were made on the Amos and Andy show. I mean, obviously, it was all designed to uh, show us as you know inferior. People, laughable people, you know, not serious. But when I hear these rappers talking about using the N-word and calling our sisters the B-word, I mean, you know, that's, you know, that, that, in my opinion, has made a greater contribution to what Dr. Amos Wilson calls the psychodynamics of black self-annihilation in service of white domination. But I, I do have something to say about Kingfish Calhoun, the man <laughs> who perhaps, uh, Kingfish Clyburn... Who's perhaps single-handedly responsible for Joe Biden, a man who had never run, never won a presidential primary, never, and was and was getting his rear end thumped in the earlier uh, uh, Democrat uh, season uh, by a host of uh, people, particularly Bernie Sanders, the so-called socialist, um, and until uh, he got to South Carolina, and miraculously, a guy that was not running any campaign ads, had no money uh, was for all practical purposes a corpse and somehow he wound up winning you know that primary. But more importantly uh, on January the 15th uh, we celebrated uh, 92 years of the most honorable and uh, dedicated you know black revolutionary in my opinion. Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, Jr., and of course, there's been a struggle to define. There's always a constant struggle to define our reality, and that you know, once the power structure acquiesced to demands for a national holiday for uh, Dr. King, which I don't think we need. We we don't need anybody giving us holidays for our uh, people that are. uh, considered to be significant uh, ancestors. Uh, you know, we could take our own holiday if we were serious, but once they decided to uh, acquiesce and, and make, you know, this day uh, a national holiday, then they engaged in a massive struggle to define who he was. And the effort in the context of Eurocentric fragmented thinking was to freeze him on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial on August 28, nineteen sixty three, when he gave his "I Have a Dream" speech. Of course, they left out the parts of the speeches where he calls for reparations. He actually called for reparations in that speech, uh, but it, it's all been focused on the dream. Um, so we uh, we fast-forwarded from that from that from that period because being African-centered holistic thinkers, you know, we just we just don't we don't deal with fragments we deal with the entire person. I mean, it's just like when uh, they weighed the heart on the scales of my art, they weighed the entire heart, you know, not just the uh, left atrium or the right ventricle of the aorta, the entire heart had to be weighed. And that's the way Dr. King has to be. You have to view the, the, the entire complete Dr. King and understand even at that, at the tender age of 39, compared to these uh, political fossils that we have running the country now, like uh, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell. I mean, these guys are ancient compared to Dr. King and Malcolm, both 39 when they were killed, taken out of their development. But the interesting thing is that uh, Dr. King, uh, on the morning of April 4th, 1968, the day that he was assassinated, and not by James Earl Ray, a a, a two-bit criminal that once committed an armed robbery and didn't get two blocks before he was arrested. Um, He wrote uh, the title of his next sermon, which was going to be delivered on April the 7th in Ebenezer Baptist Church, and the title of the sermon was Why America May Go to Hell. And so uh, what we put up on our Facebook page, the title of the sermon Dr. King planned to deliver seems appropriate for the United States in 2021. A radicalized Dr. King spent the final years of his life confronting what he called the evil triplets of American society, white supremacy, economic exploitation, and militarism. Sometimes he added a fourth evil materialism. Dr. King was in Memphis to support the brutally exploited black sanitation workers of that city. On the morning of April 4th, 1968, Dr. King sent word to his church that his Sunday sermon would be titled, Why America May Go to Hell. And it, it, it seems to be trying to go to hell in a gasoline jacket right now. And some people would say, good riddance. But all of us are caught up in the middle of it, and we got to figure out a way to survive. I am not aware of any notes of that planned sermon, but many scholars believe that Dr. King would have continued to hone in on the evil triplets He had raised the issue of America's potential demise in an earlier speech to the sanitation workers, as he had done in his 1967 speech against the Vietnam War. Of course, in that speech, he said that um, that, uh, it seems that I can hear God saying to America that you're too arrogant, and if you don't change your evil ways, I'll rise up and break the backbone of your power. Uh, No, certainly no theologian knows exactly what form divine reciprocity may take. In fact, most of them don't even believe in it. An an excerpt from the speech to the sanitation workers. This is what Dr. King said to the sanitation workers. I came here to say that America, too, is going to hell if she doesn't use her wealth. If America does not use her vast resources of wealth to end poverty and to make possible for all God's children to have the basic necessities of life. She too will go to hell, and I will hear, uh, um, and I hear, will hear America through her historians, years and generations that come saying, we built gigantic buildings to kiss the skies, we built gargantuan bridges to span the seas, through our spaceships we were able to carve highways through the stratosphere, through our airplanes we were able to dwarf a distance and place uh, in time change. Through our submarines, we were able to penetrate oceanic depths. It seems I can hear the God of the universe saying, even though you have done all of that, I was hungry and you fed me not. I was naked and you clothed me not. The children of my sons and daughters were in need of economic security and you didn't provide it for them. And so you cannot enter the kingdom of greatness. This may well be an indictment on, a, on America. And that is uh, that quote comes from a book that was edited by Dr. Cornell West called The Radical King. Uh, so, what we wrote uh, says the United States is on a collision course with barbarism. Can the voices and actors of truth and justice bring this land a civilization it has not seen since it was invaded by Europeans? Um, in that same context, I had written that that when all these people seem to be all bent out of shape about these uh, hooligans that seem to be literally invited to invade the uh, U.S. Capitol on January 6th, I have no sympathy for a group of corrupt politicians who have uh, voted to fund wars, who have voted, uh, uh, who have uh, sat by idly as America engaged in coups against democratically elected leaders who have approved of assassinations of people like Patrice Lumumba and beyond that, who refused to give its own citizens a livable wage and is opposed to the universal health care of all of its citizens. If these people were frightened and shaking in their boots and defecating in their underwear, then I say good. (laughs) So they should go to hell. I guess uh, that should be enough to get uh, a response from big tech and everybody else. Go ahead, brother.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they're definitely going to censor this video. Um, But um, to your point about Clyburn, I don't understand why people feel, always feel like they have to create some type of symbolism for black people as a way of healing this racial inequity. We always get the short end of the stick by focusing on these symbols versus doing something of substance that's gonna bring about some real change for black people. Black people the only thing the only thing that white people can do for black people is give black people reparations. That's it. That's it. That's it. And then with those reparations, we need to take it and we need to start a nation of our own or either join our brothers and sisters on the continent in the diaspora i mean us from the diaspora to join our brothers and sisters on the continent and become a part of a nation where we can strengthen that nation and make africa a stronger continent other than that there's nothing that white people can do for us so putting a song uh... In in the governmental structure of the the United States, uh, it's not going to do anything to help black people. It doesn't matter how it makes people feel. It's not anything substantial. It's not anything of substance. Uh, To your point about Dr. King, you know, they choose to use, like you said, the part of Dr. King that they feel comfortable with. They know that when Dr. King was alive, he was being investigated by the FBI. They wanted him um, dead the same way that they wanted Malcolm dead. And he was really a thorn in their side. But it benefits them in the sake of keeping black people peaceful to use that specific version of Dr. King and his I Have a Dream speech. Um and and this is what they sell. I saw an advertisement today, or well, it was a commercial, talking about MLK and and uh, the holiday today. And it was talking about diversity, and it showed um, these transgender and uh, LGBTQ children, and it was relating that to Doctor Dream, Doctor I said Doctor Dream, Doctor King's. I have a dream speech in talking about, you know, the acceptance and equality for everybody. So um that fits right into their plan and their mold now. And it's funny because Bear Rustin, who was a uh associate of Dr. King, who was really the promoter of nonviolence, was himself a gay male and he has been noted as really creating the statement that gay is the new black um, and I think that the influence of Byron Rustin really was what uh, pushed Dr. King in that direction for the time that he was focusing on that uh, Byron Rustin, his allegiance has always been to Uh, the homosexual community and uh, I know Obama gave him an award. I can't remember the name of it, but he gave him an award when he was in office, but they'll always take what they can to push their agenda. Even if that means uh, neglecting everything else about a person, except for what makes them feel comfortable And what makes black people less likely to rebel. And like you said, we have to judge the whole person. But it is some people that they can't do that with. They've even tried to do it in some ways with Harriet Tubman. They'll try to create an image of Harriet Tubman that whites and everybody can feel comfortable with. Sooner or later, you know, they'll be trying to create an image of Malcolm that everybody can feel comfortable with just like how you know manning marable and others tried to lie and write that malcolm was gay you know participate in all of these activities so what white people will change the narrative and um you know in a 100 years they'll make dr king white wow if it fits if it fits their agenda and they won't just come out and say, of course, he was a white man, but they'll have a movie, you know, and then they'll have a white man playing him in, in the role. So, yeah, I feel like, you know, that that's a problem. And that's why it's up to platforms like this, like Africa Liberation Media and other platforms that are out there to push the the real narrative about our ancestors the strong parts of them that stood up and fought for us and fought for our liberation.
0: Yeah. Good stuff, brother. One of the things that we remember most about the King legacy was his anti war stance. You know, in no way visible is the King legacy uh, manifested in an organization such as the Congressional Black Caucus. You know, we have lost our historic traditional role as being anti-imperialist. He would never have guessed that the Congressional Black Caucus would have supported a program such as 1033 the militarization of, the enhanced militarization of the police, enhancing their ability to rain down in a terroristic way on black communities. King would not have supported that, even though during this celebration, I'm sure many of the uh, members of the blackness leadership class adorned themselves in Kingian paraphernalia. Dr. King thought that The expenditure on war armaments, militarism, was what he described as a demonic suction tube of a society gone mad on war, which drained the necessary resources away from poor people. You know, you can transpose that into, you know, Medicare for all today. Uh, various social programs, extending the social safety net, extending employment benefits, higher wages. You know, here we are, 1968, you fast forward to 2021, you got the blackness leadership class who are nothing more than pawns and mascots of Wall Street. So, you know, this is what we have descended to in terms of, uh, real activism principled bold unyielding uncompromising activism to a leadership class that is
2: controlled by Wall Street right and the easiest way for them to do it is they always find they always find that negro that they can use to be the primary promoter of it in every instance yeah so they'll they'll create the narrative but then they'll get uh, uh um to go out there and push it and be the, be the face of it.
0: Yeah, to to your earlier Roberts uh to your earlier comment, brother. Uh Julia Roberts was recommended as an actress who would play the role of Harriet Tubman. Uh you know, somehow some way that Fell through the cracks, but she was a uh, a suggestion to play the role of uh, Harriet Tubman. Um, I never really uh, warmed to the idea of Harriet Tubman appearing on a twenty dollar bill. Mm-hmm. You know, just keep it the way it is. You know, she was a woman who tried to undermine the bulwark of the capitalist system and our enslavement. Why would you want to place her on this uh, symbol of exchange? You know, it just it's contradictory to a system that she was trying to dismantle.
2: Where's their way of reeling black people into taking pride into being an American citizen? Is their way of making black people forget about Africa and forget about? your past and forget about your previous nation state or nation states and just focus on being a good american so it's another symbol it's another symbol that does absolutely nothing for black people
1: well you know it's a desecration of her image uh she was a person who quote unquote stole property She stole the property of, you know, I think what Andrew Jackson, the founder of the Democrat party is on the $20 bill, I believe. And he is, he was one of the most vicious, um, you know, white supremacists, militarists, uh, in the history of, of this country, one of the largest slave owners in the state of Tennessee, of course, the person who, uh, was uh, the leader of the first uh, war, uh, the first uh, so-called Seminole War, which some people call the Gullah Wars, because many of the people that were that were called Seminoles were actually Africans who had escaped from uh, South Carolina and Georgia and other parts, uh, you know, of the South to uh, Spanish uh, Florida, and you know they they. These these uh, people fought for in three different wars. In the last war, they they fought the United States Army for five years, from 1936 to 1941. And I think it was General Jessup said, "Make no mistake about it, this is a Negro, not an Indian war." And one of the other other generals that talked about, uh, I forgot the exact dollar amount he used. Now he said there's there's at least ten million dollars worth of property in Florida that we need to recover. And these Africans were not—they were not going back to uh, chattel slavery. They were—they were, they were going to fight to the death, and—and and that's what they did. I mean, it, this is a story that's not told. It's not told—the uh, story of how they fought three—three three separate wars, three separate wars they had to fight, and. Uh, you know, if you can you can fight the United States Army for five years, mm. that's significant. That I mean that you know those wars need to you know they need to be extolled. When we start extolling the virtues of Africans that that fought to liberate uh, themselves, you know the Gaspar Yanga's and uh, Toussaints and Bookman duties and Dessalines and uh, Denmark visa, the Stono rebellion, nanny of Jamaica, Carlotta of Cuba, the others, uh, Charles Deslandes of Louisiana. You know, we need to, we, we always need to call the, call the, the Gullah people that were, they were called Seminoles, the Africans, uh, who fought in the area of Florida from, uh, the panhandle area where Gullah Jack hails from. I Uh, so, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, it it was heroic, but you know, the thing of the thing of it is, is like you said, I mean it's it's we are so easily so easily seduced by symbols. I mean that's that you know that, that that's that's just the to me that's one of the most pathetic things about how quickly we just get seduced by any any symbol. I mean what Clyburn is proposing, a song that's sacred to us uh, is uh, absolute blasphemy, and as you said, rather than desecrating our song, he should be pushing for reparations, but when you look at this guy's voting record, he was elected to Congress in 1990, you know, first started serving in 1991. Now, John Conyers started introducing a reparation study bill, not a bill that actually called for reparations, but a reparation study bill, and a lot of us who were involved in the struggle for reparations, Gullah Jack and I were both uh, members of the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America at one time. You know, we pushed the, the, the necessity of at least getting a vote on on H.R. 40, not because we saw H.R. 40 as a found solution, but because we saw it as a process, a step in terms of raising awareness of the issue. But James Clyburn, I went back and looked because you, you can go into the congressional record and look at the history of the bill, James Clyburn for years would not even co-sponsor, would not even sign on as a co-sponsor of a bill to study reparations. He really didn't come on board until uh, Nancy Pelosi and all of those gave the okay, you know, when all of a sudden uh, reparations came uh, in vogue during the last presidential campaign. So. Uh, you know, I mean, this this guy. I mean, is a, it, that's why I call him Kingfish. He's a com- he's a complete shyster. But I, but I do want to read something because I know, uh, you know, we're running short on time. Uh, just another word from Dr. King, because. Because we are in a struggle to define his reality. And so uh, we put up a post today called far beyond a dreamer, far more radical than most. Okay, now this is a direct quote from Dr. King, and it's not the Dr. King that that most people know. When asking Negroes to abide by the law, let us also declare that the white man does not abide by the law. Day in and day out, he violates welfare laws to deprive the poor of their meager allotments. He flagrantly violates building codes and housing regulations. His police forces are the ultimate mockery of the law. Now, this is Dr. King speaking in about... 1967, 1968. He violates laws on equal employment and education. The slums are the handiwork of a vicious system of the white society. Negroes live in them, but they do not make them any more than a prisoner makes a prison. And so let us say forthrightly that if the total slum violations of the law by the white man over the years are calculated, compared with the law-breaking of a few days of riots the hardened criminal would handily be the white man. The hardened criminal would handily be the white man. In using the term white man, I am seeking to describe in general terms the Negro's adversary. I seek not to categorize all white people by any use of the term white man. To develop a sense of black consciousness and peoplehood does not require that we scorn the white race as a whole, It is not the right race per se that we fight, but the policies and ideology formulated by leaders of that race to perpetuate oppression. This is Martin Luther King, far beyond a dreamer, far more radical than most. The other thing Dr. King said, and I think this is what puts a lot of people who claim to be uh, following the legacy or representing the legacy of Dr. King, including our brother, Dr. Cornel West, who voted for knew Jim Crow Joe Biden because they saw uh, Trump as a a neo-fascist catastrophe. But Dr. King said the American people, this was in his speech, uh, The Three Evils of American Society. He said the American people must have the right to vote into oblivion, politicians who cannot detach themselves from militarism. New Jim Crow Joe Biden ha- has been connected to militarism uh, with an umbilical cord throughout his entire career. He was one of the primary uh, sponsors of the uh, war, uh, the, the war on Iraq. He supported that. Of course, he was part of the Obama administration, who waged a war of aggression against Libya, resulting in the enslavement of our people. So how did, how do you call yourself to be following in the legacy of Dr. King and then for whatever reason, I don't care what the reason was, supporting an institutionalized white supremacist, you know, not only one of the architects of the new Jim Crow, but a militarist, when Dr. King said the American people must have the right to vote into oblivion, politicians who cannot detach themselves from militarism. And that's why there's no way I don't see how you know, he would have been an absolute hypocrite to support uh, a second term of Barack Obama. Obama sucked a lot of people in 2008. But after it was clear what he what he did in Libya uh, and Syria and Somali and Yemen, how could anyone support him?
0: This has been the African Liberation Media. Dr. King raised the question that is still applicable today for African people. Where do we go from here, community or chaos? BB48 BB48 BB48
3: Power or the lack of power I want to repeat this Power or the lack of power If your education in this institution Is not about gaining real power Not jobs Because your jobs do not represent power Not getting elected That does not represent power Either you are buying your houses and fine clothes. Does not represent power. Uh, if it is not about real power, you are being miseducated and misled, and you will die educated and misled. <laughs> if your study of black history is merely an exercise in feeling good about yourself, then you will die, feeling good. The study of history then must be more than the pumping up of your self-esteem and the pumping up of your pride. Those things are important, but ultimately those things are not the means by which we will save ourselves as people in this world.